How stupid are you guys? All you people out there in TV land, you just make me sick. We told the world what we were going to do, and we went out and did it. The wrestler who will dominate the sport like no other wrestler can. WCW has tried way too long to try to hold me back. The whole facade. Who cares? No one cares. Welcome to the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast, the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And this week, we got a special one for you. It's a new special series covering stunning Steve Austin. And we're going all the way back to 1991. So this is episode one covering stunning Steve as he comes into WCW in the summer of 1991. We're going to cover May, which is when he makes his debut. May through July of 91. JV, welcome back. It's been two weeks, but we're back at it here again. This was the poll winner. This one won the poll, and it was very close. We put a poll out two weeks ago after our last episode, which was 152, Tough Enough, covering April 2011 through 2014. Yeah, we covered a whole big span of time on the last episode of Stone Cold Steve Austin's chronological coverage. But we put it out there for a poll to see what you guys wanted. And we gave you some options. We gave you this new series, Stunning Steve. We gave you the finale of the Hollywood Blondes. We gave you a watch-along option. And episode 153 of Stone Cold Steve Austin's chronological episodes. And it came to a tie. The tie was between the Hollywood Blondes and Stunning Steve. So then I had to create a separate poll. Stunning Steve won out. So, I'm kind of glad it happened because I, I was looking for something new. You're goddamn right. <laughs> now we got Stunning Steve Austin. <laughs> yes. Jamie is finally embracing it. Fuck. Where's Jess? Is Jess home? What's going on? <laughs> nope. No? No, Jess? Of course we're doing a Stunning Steve Austin where he doesn't cut one fucking promo. <laughs> We're going to be doing some Stone Cold Steve Austin shit. Got a mouthpiece all the time. <laughs> Let's see you right there, guys. That's what we've been talking about for a long time. And shit, he's he's uh, he's giving it to us. I'll be, I wish there was more. So anyway, <laughs> we're now kicking off a new special series. Like I said, Stunning Steve. You guys voted for it. And... Like I said, I'm glad you did because we get to dive back later into WCW. We go all the way back to 1991. Oh, 21 years that. ago. Oh, 31 years ago. Fuck, Matt. <laughs> Fuck, Matt. I need an Excel spreadsheet these days. So, yeah, this, um, I was not. Because the reason why I knew that off the top of my head. As I was talking to my wife, I was like, fuck, I graduated high school 21 years ago. <laughs> wow. Feel like You're old, old man. <laughs> and when you said I was like, nope, nope, nope. That was... Oh, was wow, only... so this was my 20-year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. 
I'm so glad my class is so tight that we put something together. Yeah, my class too. They didn't do shit either. <laughs> I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I think I, I don't think that really happens anymore. Well, once Facebook came along, it's like fuck it. You don't need to do it. Yeah, we're millennials. We're too like things too are antisocial. Different. Yeah, you know. <laughs> The boomers can still do it because they, they ruined the world for us, man. They ruined it for us, man. Only generation's not doing better than their parents, man. <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thanks for joining us, guys. Follow us on Twitter, at BottomLineCast. Please follow us on BottomLineCast. Uh, follow me, Mike Pru at NPRU83. And follow JV, man. At John Van Damage. And, uh, hey, reach out to us. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. And uh, also, there's going to be polls over time. You know, because now we're at this format where we're doing like every two weeks. And we're not quite sure what we want to do every two weeks. So, we're going to put polls out there. So, follow. So, you can vote on that shit and help us out so we don't get... Bunch of random people voting on shit that don't even fucking listen and make decisions for us. <laughs> so please, help us out with that. So JV, this is a big one. And I didn't mention. It's the start. Guys, yes, oh, this sorry. is the start. Yep, this is the start of something new. But I didn't mention that you guys just got brought into some new intro music. New stunning Steve Austin theme. I love it, by the way. Fucking awesome. And it's, it's awesome. From, he does such a good job. Yeah, Joe Morata at Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, OVP Podcast. He, uh, he's been doing all our themes. He did our theme, the theme that we've been using for Stone Cold episodes, of course, but also on the Extreme ECW live cast that we have. He made that theme. You know, it's basic. It's, you know, you play the music and you get some clips and shit. But he's, he's really good at it, though. Good he, he needs to be on, like, Fiverr or something. Yeah, you know what he, I mean? He puts Freelance shit together. His, his talents out to the world. Well, he, he has been tweeting, though, recently. Like, you know, if you want any help with your podcast, audio, if you want, like, some bumpers or intros, you know, connect with him. So, yeah, it's Joe Murata. Yeah. Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. And he'll make your podcast sound fucking semi-professional. <laughs> and that's, at least that's how it starts for us. It sounds professional, then we start talking, and then there it is. <laughs> yeah. Right downhill. Becomes semi. <laughs> He's the professional part. We're the, we're the not perfect. We're, you know, we make the semi. So, yeah. Good shit. Thanks, Joe, for that. Love it. I love how it starts off too. Like, are you stupid idiots? <laughs> Something to that effect. <laughs> but yeah, it was very fitting. Now, it's funny though, because Stunning Steve Austin, at this point, what we're going to cover today, he doesn't say boo. He doesn't say shit. But that opening has a, has a lot of Stunning Steve comments. But at this point, in his early time in WCW, he doesn't talk at all. Really. That was the funny thing. All right, so JV, you ready to jump into this new series here? We got Stunning Steve, WCW. You ready? I'm ready. All right, so 
what I'm going to do first off, I'm going to kind of do like a little intro, a little background before we dive into the content that we're going to cover through May and July of 1991. Give a little background on Stunning Steve in World Class Championship Wrestling slash USWA. And then when he signs with WCW in 1991. So we've talked about some of these things before in earlier episodes, but considering this being episode one of a new series, we'll rehash some of that. So I'm going to get right into this World Class Championship Wrestling Stunning Steve. So Steve Austin, Steve Williams at the time, he wanted to get into wrestling and... He's, he saw an ad for being trained in a wrestling school. And it was headed by Chris Adams. Gentleman Chris Adams, who was working out of World Class Championship Wrestling at the sports Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas. And he signed up. He worked with Chris Adams. And he went to the wrestling school. And he, he saw that. He figured like there's gonna be a bunch of jacked guys around, and he realized, shit, I'm the biggest guy around here, <laughs> <laughs> the best looking guy around here. Everybody else was like jabronis, <laughs> so immediately it was like, oh, this is the guy that we're gonna really care about because he actually looks like a wrestler. He was like 250 pounds and jacked and what whatnot, you know, over six feet tall. So he was ready to go from that point, and he was a natural. You know, he learned quick and did very well. Uh, one story that I did read from his book, The Stone Cold Truth, is that his first day going into the wrestling school, it was right after a TV taping at the Sportatorium. Yep. And there's still fans there and everything. So he's he's walking, he's walking in and fans are asking for his autograph. He's like, I'm not a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm I'm going to wrestling school, but I'm not a wrestler. And a bunch of the fans were like, "It doesn't matter. You're gonna, you're going to be a star. <laughs> yeah, give me your like, autograph. Look at you, dude. And look at some <laughs> of the guys you're going to be wrestling. They're like, give me your autograph. So he did give the autograph. He gave the autograph of as Steve Williams, which I'm still. I mean, if anybody held on to it, it's probably fucking gold. But. At the time, he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Steve Williams. And that name wouldn't last for long, as we know, because uh, Dutch Mantel is going to come along and change that and say, there already is Dr. Def Steve Williams. You can't be Steve Williams. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But after training for a little while, Austin makes his debut on TV on May 11th, 1989, against Frogman LeBlanc. Now, there is some discrepancies in what his first match was, and we did an episode not too long ago. It was covering early Austin in world-class USWA, and he had a match against The Punisher, which is Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. And that's often considered as the first match. It's not really. It's the first match... I don't know why people consider it the first match. It's just like an online thing. Like, oh, this is the first match that we found. So that's what it is. And it's not true because in Austin's book, he writes this. He, his first match was May 11th, 1989. He says, it's a date that I'll never forget. And it was against Cajun Frogman LeBlanc. So that's his first match. I don't know if there's 
any video of it, but that's what Austin says. So I'll take Austin's word rather than yeah, the I'll, I'll take it from the actual source. source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bunch of sour internet wrestling community, right? So anyway, he works for World Class Championship Wrestling. Ends up getting bought by Jerry Jarrett, who runs the Memphis. Jerry Charter. Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett. Double J. The original Double J. J E Double R Y J A. Double R E Double T. Jerry Jarrett. And he buys world class, and then he has two now. He now has two territories. He has Memphis and Dallas. So world class becomes basically USWA, United States Wrestling Association. And at this point, Dutchman tells the Booker, like I said, he's going to tell Steve Williams, like you can't use that name. We already have Steve Williams, Doctor Death. So come up with a new name. Austin can't come up with one. Which is funny because Austin goes on to be like this guy who's like, that that's not gonna work for me, you know. <laughs> like, I don't like that. And he's creative and whatnot, comes up with his own shit and whatever. And in this case, he's like, I don't know. Fuck. He's not like that now. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I don't know. <laughs> um, so Dutch Mattel comes back and says, like, hey, did you think of anything? No, 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 nothing yet. So, all right, you said you're from Austin, Texas. Your name's Steve Austin. And Austin's like, oh, what about the $6 million man, Stephen Austin? Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. That, that's your name. So Dutch Mantel gives him the name Steve Austin, and... There it is. And what we find out later is that he'll go by stunning Steve Austin once he becomes a heel. Early on, he's going to be like a babyface. He's blonde, looks jacked, whatnot. So they start him off as a babyface. But Dutch Mantel told him, like, if you ever become a heel, you got to use stunning Steve Austin. So Dutch Mantel came up with both those names. Steve Austin and stunning Steve Austin. So as he gets going, he has a rivalry with his trainer, Chris Adams, the gentleman Chris Adams, the man that he went to the school and learned from, and they were going to have their rivalry. It was student versus mentor or whatever, no age-old fucking type storyline, and we watched some of that on our, our special episode that we had a few few months back, and that was fun stuff with... Jeannie Clark and Coney Adams going at it. So, fun stuff there. But what I didn't realize is that Austin hated Chris Adams. <laughs> Chris We've Adams. talked about that. That's come up, though, between us, right? Yeah, I th- I th- maybe early on it did, but we haven't yeah. talked about it in a while. But Chris Adams apparently was an asshole and a piece of shit, as Austin would say. And not just, a gentleman. Not yeah, not a gentleman. Basically, <laughs> he he refers to him as a con man. Yeah, I've, yeah, I, I've heard this before. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. He's like, yeah, yeah. I learned a lot from him. He helped train me, but he screwed me over a lot too. So, truly was not that great. Even Austin said, like, yeah, when he died, I felt bad, but I didn't go to the funeral because I didn't like him. He was an asshole. He got killed. He got shot. Chris Adams died by a friend who shot him after like an altercation. And 
in Austin's book, Stone Cold Truth, Jr. even like adds a little sick little segment in that chapter. It's like Chris Adams, you know, if Austin would have stayed friends with him or been around with him for a long time, it probably would have led to an altercation just as bad. Like, so I'm glad that they didn't remain friends. So Chris Adams, while he started off Austin's career and had some kind of impact in his personal life too, as we'll get to in a second, Austin didn't really like him at all. So, anyway, the rivalry goes, you know, it's Chris Adams. I already mentioned, like, Jeannie Clark and Tony Adams. Mm -hmm. But Jeannie Clark is Chris Adams' ex-wife. And he's now married to Tony. And Chris Adams brings up, well, let's spice up this feud and let's get some girls involved. I'll have my wife. Then I'll bring in my ex-wife, and she'll be with you. And create tension between us, and make a great feud. It's perfect. It works. Meanwhile, at this time, Austin has been with somebody for ten years. He's been with this woman named Kathy for ten years already, and they're planning to get married. And Austin is kind of on the fence, like, "Oh, do I tell my girlfriend that I'm gonna be in this angle?" With this blonde, blonde bombshell with the guest hits, <laughs> Jeannie Clark, and his other blonde, Tony Adams. Like, so Austin said, Yeah, you know, I decided to make the decision not to say anything, which is probably a bad decision. <laughs> so he didn't say anything. And he got into this angle with them. He also does mention that his girlfriend, Kathy, did cheat on him. And. <laughs> That they sucks. Were, yeah. Definitely. It's like the worst thing ever. But she admitted to him, and they were going to work things out, and that's when they decided to get married. He was basically saying in the book, he says, it's kind of like we're putting a Band-Aid on something. You know, it's not going to fix anything. Probably would have ended anyway. So he went into a marriage with somebody that already cheated on him. In in his mindset, it's like, well, she cheated on me, so what the fuck am I going to do? So they got married, he ended up cheating on her. Cheated on her with Jeannie Clark, Lady Blossom. And then the marriage falls apart anyway, and then he ends up getting married to Jeannie Clark. And there it is. When I first started, what a yeah. what a convoluted, like what a fucking shit show circle. It is. Right? And when I when I first like started like looking into Austin's past, when I heard, oh he married uh Chris Adams' ex wife, I thought there was like heat there. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Naturally, he would think that. Yeah, right. But it wasn't. It wasn't that at all. Chris Adams and Jeannie had, in a good breakup. And they were fine with the breakup, and they had a good working relationship. That's why Chris Adams brought her back in to, to this feud. Like, oh, well, work with us, and we work with Austin. And because Austin was hanging around with her for a while, they, you know, they attracted to each other. <laughs> That's what happens. People start to be next to each other long enough. You generally get attracted. 
And that's what happened there. So I, I had always thought like uh, Austin stole the wife of Chris Adams and all that. But that's probably how it came off on TV though. Like, oh, or like for like insiders that kind of knew a little bit, but not everything. Like, oh, Austin stole Chris Adams' wife. <laughs> that's why there's heat between them and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't that at all. And it was crazy for me to read that Austin had this girl that he'd been with for 10 years. And I mean, she cheated on him first, but then he kind of blew it up <laughs> after they got married. And he does yeah, say he's not, the- um, yeah, his history of relationships, there's a common denominator in them failing, and it's kind of him. Yeah, it's him. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. seems pretty good, happy now, you know, hey. Yeah. Eventually, I guess you're going to learn, right? Right. He does mention that he wish he he would have learned then. It's like, ah, I should have learned then. <laughs> like, or it would have helped me in future relationships. Because I guess his ex, his ex wife, his first wife was like very sweet and nice, even though like she had made a mistake. She told him right away, and she maintained the relationship with his mother over the years, and was just. Always supportive and whatever. Yeah. She probably wasn't blonde. She probably was a brunette. (laughs) 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 And then he went on a streak of blondes and fucked himself up there. So anyway, Austin has a good run in World Championship Wrestling slash USWA. We're not going to get into everything, but he does become the PWI, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year in 1990. And then that's going to lead to getting noticed. And he's going to get noticed by WCW. And uh, one other thing about Chris Adams. Chris Adams had o- had been holding over his head like, Hey, Austin, you gotta you got to work shows for me. Because Chris Adams was running kind of his own promotion. And Austin was trying to get bookings like wherever he could. Chris Adams was like, Oh, you got to work for me these days. It's like, I got you. I got you recognized in WCW. He was like bullshitting him. And Austin st- like didn't take bookings from other people because he felt like he was I don't know, like fucking over Chris Adams if he didn't take his bookings. He didn't know who to believe. So he took Chris Adams' bookings instead of others that were being nice to him and giving these jobs. Because Chris Adams was holding this over his head like, I'm going to get you in WCW, blah, blah, blah. And he does go to WCW, but had nothing to do with Chris Adams. So that is one of the major reasons for why Austin hates Chris Adams Like from that point on. Pretty justified. It's like, you were just using me. like Yeah, yep. And you, see, you hear those stories about these shitty like wrestling... Like a lot of them sound like wrestling coaches and stuff like that. Yeah. Promoters, trainers, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Like you hear those horror stories like, oh, yeah. And you hear it from older wrestlers when they're telling their stories from their careers. Like I think Taker talked about it in his documentary. Right. On A&E. Like, yeah, you'd give these guys their money. They'd give you like one fucking lesson. Yeah. And bounce Buzz or Buzz they would just know so. Yeah. Yep. That was the guy's name. Yeah. Well, Sawyer fucked on the Taker. Which... Same era. Same kind of era as Chris Adams. 
Yeah, I'll train you, but then uh, you're going to have to work for me. Or I'm going to make you feel bad if you don't work for me. And lie to you and shit. That's what Austin hated, is that he was being lied to. And he made other people that were being nice to him, he had to be like kind of a dickhead to him. Like, oh, no, I can't take your book in because I got to do this one instead. So, I had to point that out. Before he goes to WCW, Chris Adams did not get him the job in WCW, even though that's what he was claiming. And that was months and months before he actually does get a call from WCW. All right, so now we'll move on to that. So, he is brought into WCW by Dusty Rhodes, who was the head booker at the time in 1991. Also, Magnum TA Terry Allen is the assistant booker with Dusty Rhodes. And he comes in on word from Jim Ross and Tom Pritchard, Dr. Tom Pritchard. They had, Tom Pritchard had known Austin, worked in world class with them. Just seen him, known him, and he was able to vouch for him. Be like, "Yeah, this guy's good. He's solid." And Jim Ross said that he'd watch, you know, whenever he's in the hotel or on the road, he'd watch whatever he could. And he's seen Steve Austin many times, and he brought him up to Magnum TA multiple times. And Magnum TA finally brought him up to Dusty Rhodes. So, kind of full circle here is Jim Ross is the one that's going to help get Austin notice, get him a job in WCW. Hmm. So Magnum TA does decide, you know, all right, let's check him out. So he gives the call to Austin's house. Jeannie Clark picks up the phone. And Magnum TA likes Jeannie's voice. <laughs> Thinks she sounds hot, basically. <laughs> it's probably fucking horny. <laughs> It's like, ooh, you sound good. Yeah, you like, sound oh, yeah, good. women on the line. <laughs> Fuck it. And JR even mentions in Stone Cold's book that, you know, Magnum TA is like ever the ladies' man. So he's like, <laughs> that just means he's a horny fuck. So he hears this girl and he's like, oh, all right. Uh, hey, why don't you send in some uh, 8x10s as well, too? <laughs> so he asks for some fucking pictures of Jeannie Clark. And she sends him over. So Austin gets hired. But also, Jeannie gets hired. And Austin gets hired on a $75,000 uh, $75, per year contract for his first year. And Austin mentions in his book that he was hyped to make $1,400 basically a week. And then a year later, he's going to make $156,000 a year. So, fucking nearly double. Double. Yeah, and yeah. here's the thing. That's... 20 years ago, I think the fact... yeah, that's 30 years ago. Bubble. 30 years ago. I mentioned I meant 30 years ago. I think the, Yeah, I think it's a little over 20 then, the factor. Yeah. Um, a little over double. So if he was making 75000 that's equivalent to probably like $150,000 in today's Damn. terms and yeah. $300,000 in today's terms on the one fifty six. Over 300000 They yeah. paid their guys well. That's good money, but consider, though, they have to pay for all their travel and their accommodations with that money. Oh, oh, that sucks. Yeah. And they got to pay their own taxes, too. Like, tax money's not getting taken out. No health care. Yeah. They got to do all that on their own. They didn't have any. Yeah, and a lot of people were dumbasses and obviously didn't 
do any of that. <laughs> so they would have been in trouble with paying taxes. You know. Certain people were smart about it, of course. But I bet a lot weren't. You know how to manage your money. So Austin's like, shit, that's way more than I'm making. So fuck yeah, I'm going to do it. And Austin makes his debut in WCW. And the first time he heads out to the ring, and I'll jump ahead a little bit, but he makes his debut. And he, you know, he's from Texas. He's Austin, born in Austin, Texas. Grew up in Edna, Texas. And first time he comes to the ring, they announce Stunning Steve Austin, which is fine. That's been his name. So he gets that. Stunning Steve Austin from Hollywood, California. <laughs> so they just decided for him that you're going to be from Hollywood, California because you have blonde hair. <laughs> and that's where, you know, the Hollywood blondes thing will come from is because they build him as being from Hollywood. All right. So now we get into it. Austin's career in WCW starting off in May. And we're going to kick off World Championship Wrestling, May 25th, 1991. And this was taped on May 13th, 1991 in Fayetteville, North Carolina. What we have here on this episode of World Championship Wrestling, this is the flagship show, the 605 TBS show. We have Missy Hyatt conducting an in-ring interview with Steve Austin and Vivacious Veronica. And we haven't talked about that. We mentioned Jeannie, Lady Blossom. Now we got this vivacious Veronica. The She's the OG. That? Yeah, that's, this is the OG, the original manager of Valet. And Missy interviews them you know, about their arrival in WCW. So, vivacious Veronica is not going to be long for us here. <laughs> She's going to be gone soon. And I looked up a little information about it because... And for so long, I didn't know anything. I, I knew there was Vivacious Veronica, but who the fuck is she? She's never around ever again in wrestling. So I did some research, found out found out some information. Um, some of it is mentioned in Stone Cold's book. There is also a website that did some good research that helped me get this. So her name is actually Robin McKendrick, and she's from Georgia, moved to Illinois, blah, 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 whatever. She's not in wrestling anymore. She did actually train to be a wrestler in 1989 at the uh, the Monster Factory, which is, I believe, in New, in New Jersey or New York. And Bam Bam Bigelow was trained there, among many others. And she trained there. So she did have some kind of background in wrestling. Didn't last long. But she was also the wife of Rex King, who would become Timothy Well <laughs> of the tag team Well Done. <laughs> remember that well tag team? Done. Well Done. <laughs> no, I don't remember them, but that's a great you name. You don't remember them? Well Done. No. <laughs> Should I be glad I don't? Timothy Well and Stephen Dunn. Well Done. <laughs> <laughs> they were in WWF. They, they were actually the Southern Rockers in USWA, and then they became Well Done in WWF in like 1993, 94-ish, that time period. And they were managed by Jim Cornette, I believe, for a little bit. I could be wrong with that. But, yeah. They they wore tights that... They had like the you know black trunks. But they had like a thong on, too. Oh, boy. Yeah, like a pink thong over... The, oh, over it. Yeah, yeah, Over okay, the tights. All right, all right. 
They were at that 1994 Royal Rumble, I believe, that you went to, Providence. Really? Yeah. Timothy Well and Stephen Dunn. So anyway, Veronica was married to Rex King, Timothy Well. They had kids, whatnot, whatever. But anyway, she also was the manager of Scott Levy, who would become Raven. when They were working in Portland, and she was known as Nurse Veronica. And she also had a brief stint in ECW. 1992. So this is before our coverage on the Extreme ECW live cast. So she was in Eastern Championship Wrestling in 92 for only like one show, maybe one or two shows where she teamed up with Larry Winters and Tony Stetson. <laughs> and they took on Donnie Allen. Donnie Johnny, Allen, our boy. <laughs> Johnny Hotbody. Johnny Baldspot. Johnny Baldspot. <laughs> Sandman and Peaches. So she was like up against Peaches. So it was Veronica versus Peaches, kind of. So that's a little background on Veronica, vivacious Veronica. She was pretty hot, too. I thought she was hot. I thought so. Yeah. And I, I think you mentioned it, upcoming note that you'll have, that blondes. Blondes with Austin, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Loves them. Loves them. The only thing is, uh, I don't think she has the tatas for Austin. Nah, <laughs> they're slacking a little. He upgrades. <laughs> All right, so um, one other little bit that I have here from the Observer on this debut. And uh, I guess Dave Meltzer, whoever the fuck wrote it. This is uh, Bobby Eaton set to work a program with Steve Austin. Austin has potential if he's going to be groomed for stardom. Eaton is a great person to learn, to put together a great match from. It's all true. They shouldn't have debuted Veronica in an interview with Missy Hyatt, though. Standing side by side, one of the two looked out of place, and it wasn't Missy. <laughs> so that's just Dave Meltzer saying Missy has bigger tits than Veronica. Same shit we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, they should have Missy Hyatt managed. Oh, <laughs> Steve Austin. I love her. <laughs> She's great. Her voice is annoying, though. I love in it. These, in these old episodes. I like it. Nah, I always love Missy, too, though. All right, so as we move on, so some things will be TV shows like World Championship Wrestling or Worldwide, but I'm also going to run through house show stuff. Okay, so I'm just going to go chronological order. And the order that I put it was the date that a TV show program debuted, like so World Championship Wrestling from May 25th, 91. Even though it was taped May 13th, we're going to go with the airing date. And then we're going to continue through that. Okay, I'll mention the date that it was actually taped on just for those, you know, just for that purpose of knowing when it actually was recorded. But I just want to kind of keep it chronological when people would actually would, would have seen it or would have heard about it. Makes sense? Makes sense, David, to you, at least? <laughs> yeah. All right. Sure it does. <laughs> yeah. All right, so now we move on to May 31st, 1991. And this was WCW, WCW house show, I guess, live event in Houston, Texas. And this is the start of the Super Summer Sizzlers Tour. I feel like everybody uses that. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't ECW use that? ECW used it. WWF has used it. <laughs> Super Summer Sizzlers Spectacular Tour. And very fitting here in Houston, Texas. At the Sam Houston Coliseum, Steve Austin defeats Sam Houston. 
This is the brother of Jake the Snake Robert. Sam Houston. And now we move on. But before we move on to this, one other thing I do want to point out is that there may be some events and dates that we miss. This is just based on what I could find. So there very well could be a, be another match that Austin had against fucking like Ricky Nelson, some fucking bullshit jobber on main event that I couldn't find. <laughs> yeah. So I did the best we could with finding what what's available out there with a lot of thanks to uh, the history of WWE.com, for, uh, Graham Cawthon and Richard Land, and then, of course, using the, the Observer. So that's where most of this is coming from. So, yeah, you might find other stuff, but I dig. I dug as much as I could in the last two weeks, and this is what we got. <laughs> All right, so, JV, you're going to take us away with the next segment here. JV, what do you got? All right, so we've got World Championship Wrestling from June 1st, 1991. This was taped just the day earlier. Uh, actually, I read that wrong. Weeks earlier on May 13th, 1991. And this is in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Did I say that right? Fayetteville. Fayetteville. It's something yeah, you see is... all the time, but I've never really had to say it. But yeah, I say it in this... my head wrong all the time. <laughs> I hear you. This is the same taping as the uh, the previous show. So okay. World Championship Wrestling from May 25th, same as June 1st. Same place. Got it. All right. So we got a match. It's it was Steve Austin versus with Vicious Veronica versus Chuck Coates. Vicious. Five. What did I say? Vicious. Vicious. Fuck! I can't read. <laughs> yeah. Vicious. Veronica. She probably is vicious though. She'll bite yeah. your fucking dick off. She'll bite your dick off. So she'll be against. Uh, they'll be against Chuck Coates in Austin's TV in ring debut. Um, we do have the YouTube. Are we going to share these links for people if they want to watch them, or if you want to watch it, no. ask us, message us, and we'll share them with you. Yeah, but well, on YouTube. yeah, I think that's all we need to say. Really, is that yeah. it is available on YouTube if you just search what yeah. we're talking about, and if you yeah. suck at searching messages. <laughs> so, vivacious Veronica, as Austin, as Prue mentioned earlier, is Austin's first valet, and he loves his fucking blondes, loves them, and she kind of fits the bill, like Mike said. Titties could be a little bit bigger, and maybe that's why she don't stick around. So Austin is wearing wrestler briefs, black knee pads, and white wrestling boots. He's got his hair tied in a ponytail, just to kind of – this ain't the Stone Cold we've been covering. This is stunning Steve Austin. He has hair. He's not just wearing black on black on black with a bald head and a goatee. He has no facial hair here. So we're going to cut to a pre-match statement from Veronica. He looks, like v- he looks like Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> he does. He does. Or like a villain in Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, that Like a henchman or something. So she tells the crowd that they're here, meaning her and Austin, to take the TV title from beautiful Bobby Eaton. And I found this weird right off the get-go because here's another instance where they're not letting Austin talk. They have a mouthpiece for him. Yeah. And Veronica. What the fuck's her fucking background? Yeah, Nothing. right? Probably watched she was like a news anchor. She wasn't Rick that Baby. bad, though. Rick Baby's going to watch. She was like, she was oh, actually no. a news anchor or Channel 10 News. I'm like, oh, fuck. No, I left that out of my uh, my initial notes with her, is that she does go on to become a, a weather lady. Come on, really? <laughs> yeah. I tell you, the world's <laughs> fucked up for me to think that. 
I tell you, I did not know anything. For me to think that and just basically yeah, nail it. She, she works in the news after that. Like I'm a precog. Kind of recently. Like a minority report. <laughs> I know. Precog. I just fucking know everything. <laughs> Suck it, Tom Cruise. All right, so we got Zabisco on commentary. And he says, Austin is more stunning than Eaton is beautiful. And JR also refers to Austin as a very impressive athlete. I love, like, the... The old school color, like the old school broadcast teams. Well, yeah, Jim Ross. Because they treat it more like a a sport too. Yeah, yeah, it's more sport. I love that. Yes, me too. So Austin works on Coates' right arm to start the match with early strikes, holds, and he uses a modified arm drag takedown and starts applying pressure on Coates' right arm and shoulder. So it looks like Austin has a game plan right from the start. So Austin locks in that hold for a minute until. Austin starts working his way up with Coates. So Austin's at full control here. Austin strikes Coates in the corner and tosses him outside of the ring. And then he distracts the ref, which allows his valet, Veronica, to take of Austin, take advantage of Austin distracting the ref. And she takes her fucking heel off and strikes Coates with it. So they're already trying to put, you know, Veronica over too, which is pretty Get cool. some heat on her. Yeah. Yeah. So Sabisco now goes on to take a, I'll give Veronica a compliment while taking a shot at Missy Hyatt. He refers to Veronica as a lady, unlike Missy Hyatt, who is a broad. <laughs> <laughs> so Coates makes his way back in to the ring after getting hit by the, the heel. But Austin tosses him back out, and Veronica again tacks Coates. What I found interesting in this match is you have a much more methodical and powerful young Steve Austin here. Like a lot of like holds into like big slams. Really good good wrestling yeah, in my opinion. I love it. So Austin lands a nice side suplex and again he looks great with it. Um he's got a great pace. He's showcasing all the different catalogs of his moves, how he can be a mat wrestler, he can brawl, he can pick you up and slam you on your head. You know, in ring debut, they're they're really showing him off. So Austin again tosses Coates outside of the rink and Veronica pulls his hair. And then eventually, you know, she gets back in the ring. So they kind of beat that to the, you know, they beat that like a dead horse with Veronica getting involved. I think, you know, the third part was a little overkill. But we get back in the ring to the end of the match here. Austin lands his stun gun, followed by a spinning clothesline for the three count in the victory. Which is weird to me, which I'll, I'll get to that in later. But basically, you're going to notice a theme here with when he uses the stun gun. Um, like a he doesn't actually win with it. It's more like a setup. It's like his finisher, but it, it doesn't finish it. It's the next move after that kind of finishes it. Yeah, and there's no like consistency in that last move yet. <laughs> so anyhow, so that was that match. Again, you want to see it? Message us or just look for it on YouTube. It's not bad. It's short. If you're just trying to kill a few minutes, it's, it's a good way to go. Yeah. Oh, not bad at all. Good debut. Yeah, I thought I say it was well. Well-constructed debut. I like the yeah. showcasing of his moves. Like, what an impressive debut. If you saw that debut in today on AEW or WWE, you would be like, oh, this guy this guy is going to be something. Like, this is a nice this is a nice debut. He didn't oh, look absolutely. sloppy. He didn't look fucking like he didn't know what he was doing. Really impressive. Oh, he looks good. He's got mm-hmm. a body. Looks like a star. He's got a hot chick with him. Hot chick's getting involved and... Clawing hair out or whatnot, like so they automatically look like something. Yeah, they're gonna be something at some point. They stand out. 
This is different on the show. So I totally agree. All right, so that's the debut of Austin on TV. So as that debuted on TV on June 1st, a couple days later, on June 3rd, Austin, who when he arrived in WCW, was told immediately, we're going to put the TV title on you. So he knew that right away. And on this date, June 3rd, 1991, in Birmingham, Alabama, at the Botwell Auditorium, and this was a TV taping for Worldwide Wrestling. And this match was supposed to be the match that Austin was going to win the TV title. So Austin did, in fact, if you were live in attendance there, Austin pinned Bobby Eaton, the TV champion, to win the title with a roll-up after Lady Blossom, okay, Jeannie Clark, no more Veronica. Veronica's gone already. <laughs> Veronica's out for no apparent reason. I tried to look for reasons. There's no real reason other than maybe Veronica was just a short-term or a short-term thing for before Lady Blossom could be there. I don't yeah, know. Maybe they had no intention of actually using her long-term. Yeah, it might have. We'll just never been. know. Right, we don't know, and there's nothing out there really that says any particular reason. If you and, claim to know, no one's going to believe you. And even in Austin's book, he doesn't know why they did it either. Oh, okay. From the source. Yeah. So, Lady Blossom makes her debut here on June 3rd. She came out and poked out the eyes of uh, Bobby Eaton. But Nick Patrick, the referee, was supposed to be not knowing what was going on, but he saw everything. <laughs> and that would have been an automatic DQ, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. So they had to redo the match. So this match happened to a live audience. Austin rolled up Bobby Eaton, got the one, two, three. They awarded him the championship. He became the TV champion. But they knew they couldn't use this on TV because Lady Blossom fucked it up. You know, or Nick Patrick. I mean, it could have been a few people. Nick Patrick, even maybe Bobby Eaton. It just didn't work well for TV, so they had to scrap it and decided, all right, next show tomorrow, June 4th, in Montgomery, Alabama, we're going to redo it. So this is when he technically won it, June 3rd, but they have to redo it the next day. And we'll get to that later. Okay, so we'll cover that match in a little bit when we get to it at the end of the month when it actually aired on Worldwide Wrestling on June 29th. So let me just continue on with some results here. June 5th, 1991, Steve Austin in Hammond, Indiana at the Civic Center is going to pin Tommy Rich. And then on June 7th, 1991, Steve Austin pins Tommy Angel in Green Bay, Wisconsin. June 8th, same thing, pins Tommy Angel in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And then we get to World Championship Wrestling that aired on June 8th, 1991. This was actually taped on May 13th, once again, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. In my last day of being six years old. <laughs> six years old. <laughs> Steve Austin with Vivacious Veronica. Nobody knows about Lady Blossom yet at this point. There's no Lady Blossom yet. Only the people that were in attendance. On June 3rd, know about Lady Blossom on June 4th. Nobody else knows. So on TV, still Vivacious Veronica. And Steve Austin pins Bret Hart's brother, Keith Hart. 
with a clothesline following the stun gun. So that's that thing that JV was talking about. He hits the stun gun, then a clothesline or a spinning clothesline. And that match only lasts two and a half minutes. Jim Ross was on commentary there, putting his boy over. And now we move on to a live show from June 12th, 1991. It's Class of the Champions 15. JV is going to cover that for us. All right, so yeah, we're at Class of the Champions 15, the Knoxville Knockout in Knoxville, Tennessee, at the Civic Auditorium, June 12th, 1991. About 5,000 people in in attendance. Um, So basically, you know, Steve Austin with Lady Bossom is going to pin Joey Maggs with the stun gun at the 25-second mark. It's a Um, nothing match. Yeah, nothing match. Zerva notes that Steve Austin pinned Joey Mag Joey Mags, who was subbing for Tim Horner. Um which would have been a way better match if that was what it was. Yeah. With his hot shot in twenty five seconds. What's the hot shot? Hot shot is the stun gun, but that's That's what, what he's calling it. That's yeah. what they were some people were calling it on commentary uh, before Jim Ross came up with stun gun. Gotcha. So they didn't even have time for a ring entrance or to adequately explain Lady Blossom, Jeannie Clark. Although she probably got over by the aerial camera shot. Um, <laughs> match was a dud. It was set for one fall. Uh, Austin was wearing white knee pads and boots. And what I found interesting is he had like semi-pinstriped wrestling briefs on, which yes. is something he's used for a few matches here um, over the next couple months. And again, Lady Bossom's looking fine as hell. Diddy's popping out. She's got a white dress. Um, this is her yeah. on-screen debut, though. So that that's important to point out because yeah, they really want to like show what comes the goods. of what comes later though is that she was supposed to make her debut when he wins that match for the TV gotcha. title, but that got all fucked up. So now people have seen her on TV live here June twelfth, which is weeks before Austin's going to win the TV title. Huh. So some cool parts on commentary here. Um, Tony Schiavone notes. That Austin, so they basically put him over well on, on commentary here. Tony Schiavone notes that Austin's only been wrestling professionally for two years, and he recognizes him as one of the quickest starters in the sport ever. Um, and JR sound, said something that I found was surprising. He notes that Austin is actually already in the top 10 wow. of WCW rankings. So basically, end of the match, like I said, Austin hits the stun gun. Uh, he throws, then he throws Jerry Maggs like down on the mat, like face first, and gets the pinfall victory. And then uh, Lady Blossom celebrates in the ring with Steve. So again, another instance where he uses the stun gun, does another like move after it, which was usually the clothesline. In this case, it was not, and he gets the pinfall victory. All right, yeah. I mean, that's his big debut on a big show, I guess, but it's only twenty-five seconds long. And yeah. It's at the very end of the show. Is you know, it's right before the main event. It took me longer to cover it than the match actually was. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was like, I felt when I was setting it up, the format I was like, ah, he's going to be like, why the fuck am I checking this match out? Because like, <laughs> I already had notes like that were basically covering it. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know. I'm like, are these his notes for reference? Like, it was, I meant to ask you, and I just spaced it out. Yeah, but I figured, yeah, I'll let you see, see what you think. So my favorite part was uh, Lady Blossom's titties popping out. That was a good. Oh, a highlight! <laughs> I like uh, the line though from the Observer. 
It says uh, they didn't they didn't adequately explain Lady Blossom because nobody knows of her yet. But they got her over by an aerial camera shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they had the titty cam on her. All right, so from there we move on now to June seventeenth. We got a WCW live show in Gainesville, Georgia, at the Georgia Mountain Center, and PN News. PN News, the Rap Master. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. He defeated Steve Austin via DQ. Lady Blossom interfered after the match. PN News attempts a big splash on Lady Blossom. This is a big guy, PN News. He goes for a big splash on Lady Blossom, but Austin pulls her out of the way. So, looks like they're building up to a PN News Austin feud on the house show run. On June 20th, Nashville, North Carolina, Steve Austin defeats Tommy Angel. On June 21st, in Greensboro, North Carolina, same thing. Steve Austin beats Tommy Angel. And then we get a big show at the Omni. So this is a big, big show. A big, big place in Atlanta, Georgia, the Omni. June 23rd. And uh, it's a big place, but not a lot of people in attendance. Only 2,000 people in attendance. Bobby Eaton for Steve Austin to a draw for the TV title. That's going to happen often over the next month. This is fucking draws between Bobby Eaton and Steve Austin. On June 26, 1991, Steve Austin once again defeats Sam Houston, who is again subbing for Tim Horner. Does Tim Horner have a fucking problem with Steve Austin? (laughs) Every time he's booked for a match with Steve Austin, he doesn't show up. I'm good. Yeah, I'm putting that guy fuck, over. Yeah, fuck that guy. I'm supposed to be Steve Austin. I should have been Steve Austin. You're going to get the night off from work. <laughs> so that was in Wichita, Kansas on June 26th. On June 24th in Joplin, Missouri, we get uh, Steve Austin defeating Bobby Ian. So no draw there. June 28th, 1991, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Bobby and Steve Austin go to a draw. And then now we get to the big match. And it airs on TV on June 29th, 1991 on Worldwide Wrestling. And this is in Montgomery, Alabama. This is June 4th, 1991. So this is the match when Austin is going to win the TV title. This is the redo from the June 3rd match. All right, so on Worldwide Wrestling, we got Tony Schiavone. Mentioning that Lady Blossom is backstage. Now, just going to go back a little bit and set the stage for all this. He's saying Lady Blossom is backstage. This is recorded on June 4th, 1991, which is the day after the whole debacle where they had to say, oh, fuck this match. we got to scrap it and re-record. So this was redone because Lady Blossom bought her spot. She was in plain view of the ref, so they couldn't use it. But Tony Schiavone is on commentary. He's making a save. He's like, oh, Lady Blossom's not out here. She must be backstage. Now, the only reason why I'm bringing this out is because people have seen Lady Blossom already. She debuted at Clash of Champions. So they know of her at this point on live TV. So good Good move by Tony to say, oh, she must be backstage because she's not out there. And the reason why she's not really out there is because 
This was fucking all the way from June 4th when she was making her debut. So she's not out there because she's not his manager yet. She hasn't debuted. But on commentary, Tony does a good job with that. So anyway, Tony also points out that now Bobby Eaton, who just had a big match with Ric Flair, and maybe injured his knee, and he might have trouble with his knee during this match, and that maybe Stunning Steve is going to target it throughout the match. So we get into the match here. Austin overpowers Bobby Eaton early on. He's working the upper body. He's not going after the knee right away. He's deciding to work the upper body, and he's a strong guy, so he's slamming him down and working, working the back, working the body, working the shoulders. And um, moments later, Bobby Eaton's going to come back with a few right hands. He knocks Austin down. Austin calls for a timeout, you know, that age-old heel move. Timeout, timeout, I want a timeout. And we got Gordon, Gordon Soli on commentary with Tony Schiavone. And Gordon reminds us that there's no timeouts in wrestling. There's no timeouts in wrestling. But Nick Patrick, the referee, actually does allow for a timeout. <laughs> While Gordon Soli is saying this, looking like the old guy. There's no timeouts in wrestling, but the new young ref says, all right, I'll give him a break. Like a jack off. He shouldn't have, but he gave him the, he gave him the timeout. And then from there, we move on. Bobby Eaton. Starts get going here. He hits a back body drop on Austin. And then he takes Austin down to the mat with the standing side headlock. And then he turns that into a pinfall attempt. And Austin is going to lift his shoulder after just a one count. Austin gets back to his feet. Pushes pushes Bobby to the ropes. Bobby hits Austin with a shoulder block. They go back and get it again. Austin leapfrogs over Bobby. And then Bobby hip tosses Austin to the mat. So we get Austin just bumping around all over the place like a heel should. So this is well done. Well done from the start here. And I don't mean Timothy well, like I talked about before. But this is being well done as a nice little match here for the TV title. All right, from there we're going to move on to Bobby tackling Austin back down to the mat. And Bobby wants Austin down on the mat because Austin's a bigger guy. Keep him down on the mat. So... Good strategy. Keeps him down on the mat. Once again, he's got a standing side headlock. Twists him down. Now he's he's pulling. Got him, got him in that headlock. But now we got the heel Austin complaining that Bobby's pulling his hair. He's pulling my hair. He's pulling my hair. Pulling my hair. So Austin finally gets enough energy to get up and pushes Bobby in, into the corner of the ring. Then once he's got Bobby in the corner, the referee, Nick Patrick, calling for a break. Austin doing complete heel move. Acts like he's going to break, but then fucking sends a knee into Bobby's, the side of Bobby's, uh, I don't know, stomach, whatever the fuck it is, his ribs, I guess. And, uh, abdomen. His abdomen, yeah. Good word. And, uh, he throws it in there. And Bobby quickly makes a comeback, though. And he gives a few right hands once again. And then another side headlock takedown. So, I love Bobby Eaton. But watching this match, he's not doing much. He might actually really be injured. And that's why Tony Schiavone pointed out at the beginning of the match. Like, oh, he hurt his knee against Ric Flair. Uh, whatever match it was. 
Bobby Eaton is not the high flying usual Bobby Eaton we get. He's basically doing punches. Yeah, he's more grounded. Takedowns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, a, he's a much more grounded yeah. wrestler here. And it doesn't make for a bad match. It's not bad at all. It's just. I'm just pointing out that he's not doing anything too crazy. You know, it's a it's a it's an up and down. It's a roller coaster match, I would say. A short roller coaster, <laughs> not a long one. But it's up and down. Austin does his stuff. Bobby does his same things that he's doing throughout the match, and we end up back in fucking side headlocks over and over again. Austin does break free of the side headlock, kicks Bobby in the head, and this time he kicks Bobby in the head. Out of the ring. So he sends Bobby out of the ring. Austin gloats. Puts his arms out. Hey, look at me. Um, then he goes to get Bobby. Pulls him up to the ring apron. And then he grabs Bobby's head. Slams him into the top corner turnbuckle pad. On the apron. Then Austin does get out of the ring. Tosses Bobby off the apron. Onto the guardrail. So that was a big spot. He fucking launches him off the apron. Throws him onto the guardrail like it's freaking ACW. Austin does get back into the ring, only to break the count that Nick Patrick has started. But then he realizes, shit, I gotta get Bobby back into the ring <laughs> if I want to win this title. So he gets Bobby back into the ring. Austin goes for a leg drop as Bobby is laid across the second rope. So it's a typical spot that we've seen Austin do over the years. But Bobby is laid out on the second rope, and Austin runs. He's going to do the leg drop. Bobby moves, so Austin hits the ropes himself, and boom, he's down. Classic Austin spot, like I said. Bobby starts to shine with a few right hands. He does a great back body drop, so he's he's rolling here. He does a standing clothesline. He does a beautiful swinging neck breaker, and that's his setup move. That's his setup for the Alabama Jam. Austin is now set up right in the middle of the ring. And Bobby Eaton's going to go to the top. He's going to go to the top to finish off Austin. He climbs up to the top, and bam, he hits that Alabama jam perfectly. But Bobby doesn't go for a pin immediately. And then out of nowhere, Lady Blossom, who people watching on TV don't know who the fuck this is. All of a sudden, she's in the ring. Which I guess doesn't matter, because they probably didn't even know fucking Vivacious Veronica or anything. Lady Blossom is all of a sudden in the ring. And she's in the corner of the ring. She's screaming at Bobby. I don't know what she's screaming about. She's just screaming. And Bobby's like, huh, what, what, what? And referee Nick Patrick gets in the middle of Bobby and Lady Blossom. And then Bobby pushes Nick Patrick. Slams him into the opposite corner. And he takes a bump and he's out. Young Nick Patrick. Yeah, young Nick Patrick. But right there, that's DQ, right? Bobby, you just fucking injured the ref. You're done. DQ, match over. Simple as that. Should be. But no, there's more to come. Lady Blossom does what the finish was the night before. She she claws out Eaton's eyes. She pushes him towards Austin. Austin rolls, you know, just rolls up Bobby. Gets him in a pin. And then Nick Patrick... Notices, oh, okay, let me pin. One, two, three, boom. And we get stunning Steve Austin, the new WCW television champion. So that's the finish there. Now, solid match, slow-paced match, 
back and forth. I like it. It wasn't long. It was like seven minutes or something. So, good match. Could have been better. I think something was up with Bobby. I don't think he was working full capacity at this point. But, good match. Iffy ending, in my opinion. They fucked it up the night before, which is why they had to redo this match. And they had a second chance to make this better. And I think they still fucked up. Yeah, he's either genuinely hurt or it's part of the story. So that he's not putting Austin over to... I just mean with the finish. It was still sloppy again. Like the first, the main problem the first time was that Lady Blossom raked the eyes of Bobby in front of Nick Patrick, and you can see it on camera. This time, Bobby in sends Nick Patrick into the corner and bumps him. So he should have been DQ'd. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So that's all ignored, and it's like, oh. Let me do the pin. Like, how about, no, Bobby Eaton, you're disqualified because you just fucking threw me into the corner or knocked me out. So, even on the second attempt of doing this match, it was fucked up. Well, no third time. Yeah, no third time. (laughs) The other thing I thought was funny is like, oh, they got rid of Vivacious Veronica, who did nothing wrong in her time on TV. And then right. they bring in Lady Blossom, and she fucks up both nights, basically. Both times. <laughs> it's the tits, man. It's the yeah. tits. It's the titty factor. Yeah, and um, if you oh, watch... Oh, so yeah. Yeah, JV, you, you got um, the, uh, the wrap-up here. So what do yeah, you so if you, if you wait till you know, if you watch past the end of the match, we actually get the debut of the yellow dog. <laughs> and it's this guy, and he's decked out in, like, a yellow, like jumpsuit, a yellow mask. And they refer to him as someone that's successfully completed wrestling camp. And he goes on to say that he's excited to start his career in the most action-packed, high-flying WCW. And he's setting his sights on Barry Windham. So this guy's shooting fucking high. And he says so because Barry Windham has been a star in this sport for years. And a victory over Barry would catapult him to title contention. And right away when this guy starts talking... If you were to listen to it, go back and watch, you know exactly who it is. You can just tell by his raspy voice. And the man behind that mask and suit is Brian fucking Pillman. And we're going to get more of him, so. Yeah, so Brian Pillman had lost a Loser Leaves Town match a couple weeks before this at Clash of the Champions in Knoxville, Tennessee. With El Gigante was his partner. He lost to Arn Anderson and... And Barry Windham. So they had to leave El Gigante and Brian Pillman. So Brian Pillman sneaking back in as Yellow Dog. <laughs> so he's being he's being sneaky. And some stuff's gonna come up. Austin is involved a little bit with this. But a yellow dog. <laughs> what a fucking name. All right, so we continue on now to June 29th, 1991. It's World Championship Wrestling. Steve Austin defeats Ricky Nelson after a stun gun in two minutes. We get an insert promo from Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton is saying that he's not crying over spilt milk, but he's going he's gonna to go back after his belt. He wants that belt back around his waist. So he's talking about the TV title. And then the next night after that, on WCW main event, Steve Austin 
does his first on-TV TV championship defense against Tom Zink, the Z-Man, and beats the Z-Man to retain the title on WCW main event. On a house show in Charlotte, North Carolina, on June 30th, 1991, we have Bobby Eaton and Steve Austin fighting to a draw in front of 1,200 people. And that brings us now to July of 1991. So let me run down some more events. So we'll start with July 2nd, 1991 in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Steve Austin, Bobby, he- Bobby Eaton go to a 15-minute time limit draw. Then they go all the way from North Carolina to New Jersey in East Rutherford, New Jersey, the Meadowlands on July 3rd. And once again, Steve Austin, Bobby Eaton, 15-minute time limit draw. Same thing in Philadelphia on July 5th. Another draw between Bobby and Steve Austin. Then we get to July 6, 1991. WCW World Championship Wrestling on TV. Taped on July 1st, 1991. We get TV champion Steve Austin pinning Johnny Rich in a non-title match. This match goes 7 minutes and 22 seconds. Um, Steve Austin is going to shove Rich. Johnny Rich face first into the mat after hitting the stun gun. So hits the stun gun and slams him down and gets the pinfall. Seven minutes is a pretty lengthy match that we haven't seen yet from Austin. So this is one of the more lengthy TV matches that he's had here on the July 6, 1991 episode of World Championship Wrestling. Also on July 6, live at Norfolk, Virginia. Steve Austin once again defeats Sam Houston. On July 7th, we get another Austin Bobby Eaton draw in Richmond, Virginia. Coliseum. On the July 13th episode of World Championship Wrestling, which again was taped on July 1st in Macon, Georgia, we get Ron Simmons, Bobby Eaton, and the Yellow Dog, Brian Pillman, defeating Steve Austin. Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco. And this was in a bounty match. Bounty match. What that means basically is there's a bounty on the yellow dog. Because there was a claim that the yellow dog is not who he pretends to be. The yellow dog is Brian Pillman. And if we win this match, then we get to take the mask off the yellow dog. The bounty. But anyway. Yellow Dog won, so he didn't have to take his mask off. <laughs> um, Yellow Dog pinned Larry Zabisco and, with a roll-up and a fast count from the referee. Um, Larry Zabisco then, after the match, attempts to unmask the Yellow Dog. But the Yellow Dog has another mask underneath. Brian Pillman. And smart, two masks. <laughs> so from there, we move on now to Worldwide Wrestling on July 13th, 1991. Steve Austin pins Keno McKenzie with the stun gun. Yeah, in three minutes. I don't know what the fuck happened there. So, Keno McKenzie, whatever. All right, we'll move on now to WCW Pro which was on WGN, which is a Chicago-based network. And it was available on certain cable networks. So if you had cable, you maybe were able to get WGN. If you had satellite, you 
would get WGN. Well, it's pretty local at the time. I remember my grandparents' house. I've talked about this on past episodes. They had satellites, so I was able to get different networks, which was cool because... You had access to more. Right, I had access to more. That's how I was able to watch early ECW stuff. I was able to go to WGM and watch like Cubs games and stuff that were on in the middle of the day. So that was cool. So WCW had their own fucking program and with that station, which was pretty cool. And here on July 13th, 1991, you get Stunning Steve Austin against Chad Floyd. And this is available on YouTube. So if you just search WCW Pro WGN July 13th, 91. You'll be able to get this. And um, during this match, it's, I mean, it's nothing. It's Austin wins, obviously, with a stun gun and a clothesline in around three minutes. And uh, Bobby does a little insert promo, talks about the upcoming scaffold match that we're going to get to at Great American Bash. And Lady Blossom's there. And good God, as Diamond Dallas Page would say. Good God. And you know what I'm talking about. I, have, I don't have to keep saying it. But <laughs> maybe I will a little later. And uh, JV, you had a couple notes on this. What you got? WGN. Oh, so Austin hits uh, an impressive side suplex. Goes for the pin. Yells for the ref to count it. But when, oh. when he goes... Yeah, I thought that was... This was like the end of the match. So he hits yeah. that big side suplex. Goes for the pin. And he's yelling for the ref. Count it. Count it. So, ref starts the count, and Austin stops at the count of two and just goes, nope, and then just continues punishing Floyd. Yeah, that becomes a thing that he does often, is that he doesn't go for the three nope. count. Nope. I like that. Yeah, nope. He doesn't. He, yeah, after two, he just, fuck it, I'm yeah. going to beat him up a little bit more. Yeah, more pain. Yeah. And I noticed that with another guy that we'll get into in a little bit. He does the same thing. Yeah, I'll just give it away now. Johnny B. Bad, who's also starting around this time, does the same thing as a heel. And those guys are going to clash soon, which we'll get to in a little bit. All right, so from there now, we move on to July 13th, 1991. This is a live show you know, airing. You know, This actually was live the same day as the airing of the WCW Pro show on WGN. But this is in Greenville, South Carolina. And you get... Dustin Rhodes and Junk Junkyard Dog, who's actually a sub for Ron Simmons, they're going to defeat Sonic Steve Austin and Terry Taylor, who's now going as Terrence Taylor at this point because he's now part of uh, I don't know what the faction's called, but it's fucking uh, Alexander York, the York Foundation. Yeah, the York Foundation. Oof, what a shitty name. <laughs> now was Marlena Terry Reynolds. Oh, okay. Was Alexandra York. So yeah, going up against Dustin. That's funny. I didn't think of that. So anyway, that happened there. And then we now move on to the next night. It's live. It's the Great American Bash. July 14th, 1991. And we're going to do this as a watch-along. So you want to watch along with us, we're going to watch the Peacock version, the network version, and our timestamp's going to be 0 We're going to start from the beginning of the show. It's the first match. It's a scaffold match. 
the Skywalkers 2, Stunning Steve Austin and Terrence Taylor versus Bobby Eaton, PN News. A scaffold match. Oh, the worst matches ever. And this is some wrestle crap, but we figured, <laughs> hey, let's watch it. <laughs> let's check it out. So, you know, watch along with us. Get yourself set up. Great American Bash, 1991. It's, what is it, season five, episode one. Yep. On the network, on the Peacock. And we're going to get right into it right now. So I'll give a countdown, three down to one, say play. When I say play, we all click play, and we check out this scaffold match. From Baltimore, Maryland, July 14, 1991, at Great American Bash. JV, you all set to go? Yes, I am. I hope I'm all set to go. I had it up for like hours already, so let me see if it's still good yeah, to I go. Yeah, I refreshed mine to make sure. All right, mine is good. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. All right. Good day. All right. School, school bus. All right, so we're in Baltimore, Maryland on the streets. We got fanny packs. Everyone's just hanging out in front of the arena, getting in front of the camera. The door opens magically. It's basically how people dress today, but just not yeah, HD. Pretty just much. a shittier camera. <laughs> oh, so guy goes up. Wrong. Two tickets, please. He gets yeah. two tickets. Hey, 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 guy. <laughs> I love this opening, though. It's like... It's like we all just bought our ticket and we're showing up to the arena. We're going to watch the show. Enjoy yourself. We're going to watch the great American Bash. I'm like looking for my Love volume the here. There we go. A great American That's a cool Bash. graphic to start, though. Makes sense that they put this match on first so they can get rid of all this junk right after this match. So here are the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. Crowd's loving it. They're all hyped up. Ladies and gentlemen, the first contest of the Great American Bash. Ah, WCW ramp. I love the ramp. Alright, so this is the Skywalkers 2. Bobby Eaton teaming up with PN News. <laughs> How familiar are you with PN News, JV? Not that familiar. Ugh. His his uh, catchphrase is "Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo." That's horrible. He's the Rat Master. He's PN News. His actual name is Paul New. Paul New. Yo, baby, yo, baby. So why would the why the hell would they put big dude like? PN News in a scaffold match. Yeah, this is terrible booking. Why would they put anybody in a scaffold a big match? Guy. Yeah, yeah, why? Yeah, that was mistake number one. We're gonna have this scaffolding match. Enough. All right, so now we get Lady Blossom with Stunning Steve and Terry Taylor. You know Terry Taylor back there is like, I could bang Lady Blossom if I wanted to. I'm fucking hotter than him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how he thinks. I'm banger. I'm not feeling that outfit Lady Blossom's got on, though. Nah. 
not a fan of it. Don't like it. <laughs> so at this time, what was it 1991? I'm eight years old. You said you were just turned six, whatever. Yep. It's hard for me to believe that women could look like her when I was eight. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's kind of a weird thought, but <laughs> I guess you know, obviously, when you're that young, you're not noticing anybody. But <laughs> like when we were growing up, it was like, oh, Jenny McCarthy, Pamela Anderson, and you think that's the first time girls had big tits or something. Yeah. It's like, nah, they've been around for a long time. Uh, that's when they were <laughs> hanging out for, I guess. I don't know. No, I, I just mean in general. Like your view of women and bodies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying now. Great camera shot. You can see well, the wrestler's perspective. Yeah. Hormones happen. Yeah, that's true. You don't notice stuff. <laughs> Except for Ms. Branko. <laughs> oh, yeah. Torpedoes. Bombados. Never forget those. Never forget those Bombados. Bombers. Hindenburgs. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we got PN News and Bobby and Ari at the top scaffold. Austin and Taylor, they don't want to get up there, but now they finally decided to go on up there. Austin has his trap and keeper tights on. <laughs> it's a great name for him. <laughs> it's perfect. I'll never forget my first grade tra trapper keeper was a Simpsons trapper keeper. So it was like a mix of like that trapper keeper style, but with Bart Simpson on it. I felt so fucking cool. I probably didn't put shit into that trapper keeper. Other than like bullshit that didn't matter. I didn't learn shit until I was like fucking 16. <laughs> Spent my whole childhood not learning anything. Alright, so ding, ding, ding. Oh, wow. and This is wild scene. Have you ever weird. seen the scaffold match? Yeah. Did you see the original one? This is Skywalker's 2. The original one was the Midnight Express, Bobby Ian. We watched that, didn't we? Not, I feel like I've seen that match. Not for a show, but it was Midnight Express against the Road Warriors. It was a stockade. Stock. Uh, I'll say the wrong year, but it is a stockade. Yeah, don't fuck up. And it's the rise of the Skywalker or something like that. Which stands out to me in my, in my history of wrestling is... My uncle that lived downstairs from me on Bank Street, where I grew up, he lived on the first floor for a while, 89, 90, 91, 92, which basically made me a wrestling fan. He had the VHS of Starcade, Skywalkers. So that was my earliest viewing of WCW, or NWA at the time. And it was fucking, like, brutal. It was way different than what I was used to watching on Superstars of Wrestling and Wrestling Challenge and shit back like a in shock. Yeah. So like the way he sold it to me is like this is real wrestling. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this is real wrestling. The other shit, so you're taking the word real literally? Yeah, like... Essentially, it was like, well, you watch this like cartoons. This is, yeah, yeah. This is wrestling. <laughs> oh, you were taking it that way? You were taking it as like, this ain't fake, like... No, no, not like it's fake, but this is like, oh, this is the tough, like, they, these ones are tough. Oh, uh, all right, all right, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Like, they're really, they fight. Really not even fake, like, no, I, I wasn't thinking That's what fake. I'm saying. Yeah, like, all right. Like, I was still believing in WWF, too. It's just that, oh, this is worse. Oh, I see, all right. I see where your mental, mental was. He also told me, like, oh, the bushwhackies that you like? Oh, they were way tougher back then here. And he showed me, like, uh, the sheep herders. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Everyone's tougher when they're younger. <laughs> hey, what's going on in this match, TV? Nothing. Nothing. There's Just nothing. fucking nothing. They look scared. They're scared. They're going to die. Like, would you trust Pierre News to touch you here? Hell no. Look at him. Oh. Look at Terry Allen. I mean, uh, Terry Taylor. Terry Allen. T.A. Back in T.A. Oh, what a fake push that was. All right. So, the rules here. Capture the flag. You're going to get to the other side. Capture the flag. It's <laughs> worst fucking. This sucks. <laughs> it's like Squid Games. <laughs> squid Games. It fucking you ever watch sucks. Squid Game? I haven't. Oh, dude. I thought... I, you either love it or you hate it. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I probably would like it. I was just... I, I think you would like it. I think you'd like it a lot. At the time that it came out and it was popular, I was just like, eh, I don't want it right now. What a yell. I was waiting to hear what JR was going to say. Like, oh, she's at a high high level of anxiety right now. She's a scream queen. I guess queen. he says, Tony Schiavone don't even know the fucking rules. Nobody knows the fucking rules. He's like, I guess you got to get the thing going. Like, dude, we're counting on you to tell us what the fuck's going on here. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody. And this is the first match of the show. There are no There was one rules. There are no rules. There's been no wrestling moves at all. Nothing. This sucks. People are chanting Bobby. Wow, they're being told to chant Bobby, probably. There was one shot earlier. Opposite of the hard cam. The long view. And there was only, there was like nine or ten rows, and only the first three rows had people seated. <laughs> Jesus. On the floor. The floor seats. Empty as fuck. Floor seats suck for this match. These nosebleed seats had the best view. Yeah. Alright, so we got Steve Austin stomping on PN News on one side. Nobody is even in this match. Nobody's in the middle of the scaffold. Everybody's on the ends. Oh. Taylor is making his way. Risky. Now the first Skywalkers match between the Road Warriors and Midnight Express was way better. And they were definitely making more risks. But it was the first one. So of course they're going to do more. Because these guys probably seen that match and they're like, fuck that. We're not doing any of that. 
In that first scaffold match, Jim Cornette, manager of the Midnight Express, was hanging off the scaffold and landed in the ring. He fucking, like, broke his ankle or something. Oh, he got the flag. That's the worst match Run, ever. Bobby. All right, Bobby. Bobby has the flag. Is he going to make it? Th oh, he's going to hit Austin Smart. with it. There you go. Who's going to catch him? Nobody, because they want to end this match. Oh, yeah. Look at the easiest victory of his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going back. Where's Austin going? He can't. Oh. Bobby Austin Heenan just... is the dumbest wrestler ever. Bobby this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Bobby Heenan went back. The belt didn't ring like he didn't win. No, he didn't win because he didn't put the flag down on his side. Now Austin is spraying Bobby Eaton. He sprayed him with hairspray. Where's the flag? It fell. It fell. The flag fell. This is the worst match I've ever seen. Austin is spraying PN News now with hairspray. Terry Taylor is on the opposite side. She takes her Aquanet back. Where's Terry Taylor going? Get this flag. He's got to get the flag. Yeah, but they can get their flag. <laughs> they just ended the match. The this match is, didn't. This is terrible. No, nobody knows what's going on. They just the said, fuck it. Know what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> no, Terry Taylor was on the side where he should have grabbed their flag <laughs> and then crossed, but he wasn't doing it. So somebody decided, fuck it. This match is over. And they told the Gary Michael Capetta. Just end the fucking match. Someone's screaming. <laughs> yeah, and they made Gary Michael Capetta say the match was over. <laughs> this is the wow. worst. One of the worst matches ever. Wow. This has to be Austin's worst match. Oh. Gotta be. Worst match ever. It might be just the worst match ever in general. How do you recover from this on a pay-per-view? Shit. I guess it only gets better, right? <laughs> Stop issuing refunds. <laughs> wow. I can't believe they just ended it out of nowhere. Nobody won that match. What a joke. I mean, they declared a winner, but <laughs> they just ended it. <laughs> well, that window quick, because that match was... Wow. All right, so it was entertaining in like a very shitty way. Yes. And I think uh, that's why we covered it. <laughs> All right, so that's the Great American Bash. That's Austin's pay-per-view debut. Wow. That's his pay-per-view debut right there. He'll go on to be one of the greatest draws for pay-per-views in history. And that's his debut. Opening match. Great American 91. Shit show. Skywalkers 2. Whew. All right. So we're going to move on. July 16, 1991 in Farmland, Indiana. Monroe Central High School Gym. Steve Austin pins Bobby Eaton. On July 18th, 
Steve Austin pins Tommy Rich in Cleveland, Ohio at the Convention Center. On July 19th, we get Austin defeating Bobby Eaton once again in Charleston, West Virginia, the Civic Center. And then we move on now to Worldwide Championship Wrestling. We get Stunning Steve Austin versus Hip Avey on July 20th, 1991. And there is a YouTube version of this, so you can search that. Worldwide Championship Wrestling, uh, WCW Worldwide Wrestling, July 20th, 1991. And you'll find it there. It's the whole episode, and this match is going to take place at the beginning of beginning of the episode, two minutes, and it ends around six minutes, 21 seconds, so you can check that out, and then let me just run through some info here, so we get Tony Schiavone and Magnum TA on commentary, and they're going to show footage first off of Austin defeating Bobby Eaton for the TV title, again, even though it's fucking from three weeks ago, they show that uh, Bobby has another insert promo saying that he's going to get his TV championship back. Guy sucks. He can't cut a he can't cut a promo for his life. <laughs> his life depended on it. He can't cut a promo. But uh thankfully he's a great wrestler. <laughs> but uh yeah, he wants his belt back. Um Lady Blossom is also gonna make another appearance here in this match doing her thing. She's gonna rake the eyes of Kip A B and Bill Alfonso's the referee here during this match. He's not looking. But while I was watching this and taking the notes on it quickly, I was like, instead of all this raking the eyes, what if Lady Blossom just stopped doing, like, motorboats on guys? <laughs> Imagine that. Like, Attitude Era, Lady Blossom in WWF. If she was in the Attitude Era, just go up to guys and just fucking motorboat them. <laughs> They'd be all fucked up and lose the match. <laughs> That's what they should have done with Sable. <laughs> yeah. Mock Marrow and Sable or something. Anyway. That's just what Mock Marrow got now in this? He's Johnny B. Bad. He pops up on this episode. Oh yeah. I mean, he he's gonna he's gonna be a bigger factor in the next month. But uh yeah. <laughs> Alright, so anyway, Steve Austin wins this match against Kip A B after a stun gun and then a short arm clothesline under three minutes, once again. Magnum TA calls Austin the excellence of execution. And I thought that was interesting because this is just a month before Bret Hart defeats Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam 91. And then he becomes known as the Excellence of Execution. But truth be told, though, Gorilla Monsoon had been using that term for years. Not just with Bret Hart, but with like, anybody. Oh, this, really? I didn't yeah, know that. This guy in the ring has the Excellence of Execution. He was, that's like his term that he wanted to get over with somebody. And then finally, Bret Hart fit the mold. <laughs> and then he just ran with it from there. So Magnum T.A. had probably heard Gorilla say it numerous times in the past and stole the line. But it's funny that it's right before Bret Hart really does become known as the excellence of execution. So there's that, JV. You have a little bit there. What do you want to add to this? Well, it's weird. Well, I already mentioned it, but basically... Because if, if Austin's still in the same pattern of using the stun gun, but not using it as his finisher. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's all out of order. Yeah. 
So that, that was basically the only thing to say. Yeah. Like, so he still hasn't like adopted an actual finisher. Right. We got to consider we're still only a month in, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, still early. All right. So that brings us now to July twentieth, nineteen ninety one, for a World Championship Wrestling episode. Stunning Steve Austin is going to take on Jim Manning, and this is going to be at the end of the episode. And this is also available on YouTube, so you can just search for. World Championship Wrestling from July 20th, 1991. And this match is going to be at the 1 hour 17 minute mark. And go to 1 hour 22 minutes. So basically the end of the show. And Johnny B. Bad is now on the scene. Little Richie. Yeah, Little Richie. And uh, he is heel at this point. He's a heel. And his character is... I don't know. He's like the original Gold Dust. Yeah, he's like taking like stickers of lips and putting them on a, his, on his opponent's. opponent's cheeks and shit. Yeah. Yep. He's a heel. Right. He's a heel. He's his manager is Teddy Long, and six man new- tag player. <laughs> tag team match, brother. Player. So anyway, that's what we got. Johnny B. Bad, Teddy Long, and they're gonna come out during this match. So we got the match kicking off. Steve Austin, Jim Manning, and Johnny B. Bad and Teddy Long. They come out the commentary, and they say that they're just trying to get a closer look at the TV champion. And Johnny B. Bad's like, "So St- Steve Austin, he's big. He's a, he's a stud. He's a big man. He's a stud, though. I want to check him out." And then Johnny B. Bad's like, "Oh, Lady Blossom, pretty Lady Blossom. Oh, I got I gotta go. She got look like she got pretty earrings. I gotta check." Check that out. So he goes over to Lady Blossom, and at ringside, it looks like he's like flirting or chatting with her, or whatever. But his main purpose of going over there is to check out her earrings. And so Lady Blossom's in like a convo with him, you know, kind of like two girls chatting, like, "Oh, you like earrings? Oh, I can get you a pair of these, or whatever." All that kind of shit. So meanwhile, in the ring, Austin wins with the spinning clothesline after a stun gun. Then after the match, Austin realizes that Lady Blossom is not in the ring to raise his hand with him. And then he sees her talking to Johnny B. Bad, so he gets out of the ring. He's kind of like, what the fuck's going on here? He grabs Lady Blossom's hand and just pulls her away. Like, we got the fuck out of here. So he pulls her away and they leave. And then Tony Schiavone is going to interview Johnny B. Bad and Teddy. And, well, actually it was Jim Ross, rather, not Tony Schiavone. But, uh, they're wondering, like, what's going on? What was up with that, Johnny? And what's up with that? What's up with that, Teddy? And Johnny says that. You know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to know about Lady Blossom's pretty earrings and her nails and her pretty dress. And Teddy, Teddy Long's like, oh yeah, we we might have to get some of those earrings. We have to get some of those earrings. So this is building to something. But that's how the tension starts here. Is that Johnny B. Bad has an interest in Lady Blossom. Steve Austin is not too happy about it. But on Johnny's side, he's just interested in some dresses and earrings <laughs> and lipstick. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> like you said, gold dust before gold dust. Yeah. I never much. looked at it that way. That's a great uh it's a great observation. Yeah. I mean they're not saying he's gay or anything, it's just you don't know what to think of him. Yeah, it's right? ambiguous. Yeah, ambiguous. 
Alright, so also on the same day, and I didn't mention this yet, but man, WCW had some fucking programming, man. They got like four shows going on the same day on TV. Like, if you want to watch wrestling on a weekend, you can fucking find a WCW show somewhere back then. Saturday night, WCW Pro, main event, WGN Pro. <laughs> it's like nonstop. They got so many syndicated shows. Here we are. It's WGN, WCW Pro from July 20th, 1991. You get the Yellow Dog, Brian Pillman, and Tom Zink, the Z-Man, defeating Steve Austin and the Diamond Stud, which is Scott Hall, with his manager, Diamond Dallas Page, in a bounty match once again, because they want to get that mask off of the Yellow Dog. And the bounty match ends in a DQ when Scott Hall, Diamond Stud, shoves the yellow dog off the top rope. And according to the rules back then, if you push somebody off the top rope or out of the ring, you throw them out of the ring, that's a DQ. So, it's a DQ, and the yellow dog doesn't have to take the mask off because of the DQ. But after the match, Austin and Diamond Stud attempt to unmask the yellow dog, but Tom Zink runs in, makes the save, and the yellow dog gets out of there without having to take his mask off. To reveal himself as Brian Pillman. Alright, so now we're going to run through some other stuff. Also, we get the Power Hour on the same day, July 20th, 1991. Holy shit. This was taped the night before. This was July 19th, 1991 in Charleston, West Virginia. Steve Austin defeated Kerry Booth. Don't know who the fuck that is. Move on to July 20th, 91 in Johnson City, Tennessee. Austin pins Bobby Eaton. July 21st in Knoxville, Tennessee. Austin defeats Bobby Eaton again in a TV title match. On July 22nd in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin defeats Mike Graham at the Municipal Auditorium. July 23rd in Inglewood, California, so going all the way across the country, Austin, for the first time, fights Johnny B. Bad to a draw in a TV title match. Now, this is a match I would like to see. July 24th, in San Diego, California, Austin pins the Yellow Dog after Lady Blossom interferes and probably breaks the eyes of the Yellow Dog where she probably should have motorboated him. That didn't happen. (laughs) And then July 26th, we get Steve Austin pinning Big Josh in Oakland, California. Big Josh is Matt Bourne. Eventually become Doink the Clown. Oh, okay. Yeah. In 15 minutes, Big Josh is a lumberjack gimmick. So he's wearing like fucking jorts and flannel shirt and shit. Um, Lady Blossom pushes Big Josh's foot off the top rope as he's about to do his uh, Doink the Clown move. Big splash, whatever, the whoopee cushion. Got what it was called when he was Big Josh, but that's what he was going for. Yeah, it's the whoopee cushion, though. Right. Yeah. And Lady Blossom pushes him off the top rope. Austin gets the pinfall and beats Big Josh there. July 27th, 91, on WCW Power Hour, which was taped also on July 26th in Oakland, California, at that same, at that same show at the Coliseum in Oakland. Uh, Austin defeats Keno McKenzie, whoever the fuck that is. 
Then we move on to another show that was airing that day, WCW Pro on WGN in Chicago, July 27, 1991. You get the Yellow Dog and Steve Austin going to a 15-minute time limit draw. I, I, I looked for this match. I couldn't find it. It's got to be out there somewhere. But I would like to see this early, you know, Ryan Pillman under a mask against early Steve Austin, 15-minute draw. That'd be cool. So some information about the match. We get Yellow Dog had Austin covered with the crucifix, but the time bell rang. So time limit draw was up. Which That's what's cool about TV titles, that you can be the TV champion, but if the time limit went up, you could lose, but keep your title. But yeah. Yeah, I liked I liked the time limit concept. Yeah. That's cool. So you got pushed to the limit. Yellow Dog didn't get the win. After the match, Diamond Stud, Scott Hall runs in, attacks, attacks the Yellow Dog, and then unmasks him. But Z-Man, Tom Zink, comes down and covers up Yellow Dog's face. So we don't get to see who the Yellow Dog is. So that storyline continues on. Then we move on now to July 29th, 1991, San Antonio, Texas. Steve Austin defeats Mike Graham once again at a live show. And then on July 30th, Steve Austin defeats PN News VDQ in Corpus Christi, Texas at the Civic Center. And that wraps up our coverage of this first part of the summer of 1991, May through July. That was fun, JV. That was fun. Yeah. And... I mean, the scaffolding match was kind of like a... Yeah, that was shit. Uh, that was a killer. That was a momentum killer. <laughs> it's going to be those bumps in the road, right? Yeah, that was a big bump. <laughs> I was like a fucking sinkhole. That is a big bump. <laughs> Things definitely will get better. But it was fun just to go back to the beginning and see how this all starts off. And hey, for our own selfish purposes, just going back and watching 91... Is fun on our own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff outside of that, the stuff we watch, I enjoyed. Even if it was like the matches were against Joppers, like I don't know. Yeah. I, although it was, you know, cool to see. You know, yeah, that's why I would say amateur, like Stone Cold, not amateur, but like he's green, but he doesn't right. look green. It's weird. And that's why I would say, like, with anything that we said was on YouTube, go back and check it out because it's just, it's just fun. Just fun and nostalgic to take a look at. All right, so with that said, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be back with our wrap-up. Bottom line cast listeners, this is Alex Dorio, one half of the Talking Taker podcast. And after nearly 200 episodes exploring every pay per view match of The Undertaker's career, along with my co host Travis White, we just couldn't let the podcast rest in peace. So join us now on the first of every month as we dig even deeper into the legacy of the newest member of the WWE Hall of Fame. From unearthing some rare and unreleased hidden gems to exploring Mark Calloway's career outside of the WWE to revisiting some favorite matches with collaborations with our friends of the show, to movie reviews, to Ministry of Darkness fantasy drafts. You just never know what we might come out of the grave with next. 
Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Watch the full video versions on YouTube. Follow us on social media at Talking Taker. And as always, take her easy. back now for our bottom line wrap up here on the first episode of Stunning Steve and JV next week we've decided on it we're gonna, just going to continue on right? Next yeah, episode? we made uh, what do you call it? Like, commissioner's de- an executive decision executive decision yeah that's it we're going to in two weeks we'll just give you part two of this summer we'll move on we'll go through August September and we'll see what we can get to in October. Well, yeah, we'll definitely cover August and September and see uh, see what else we got there. So we'll continue on with this story of Stunning Steve. And we'll see from there. All right, so that's coming up next time on the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. Also, check out our friends, Talking Taker. You just heard them prior to this break. And Talking Taker has covered the entire career of The Undertaker. And you can follow them on Twitter at Talking Taker. It's Alex Dario and Travis White. And they're doing monthly episodes now. And their latest episode in August is their five-year anniversary episode. And what they did on their five-year anniversary episode was talk about the biography of The Undertaker that was on A&E. They talk about the greatest SummerSlam matches of The Undertaker. And they do some listener Q&A. So check them out. It's Talking Taker. And they release new episodes the first of every month. So they're not too far off from their next episode on September 1st. Also, check out Book in the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast with Mike Mills, Hard Body Hopper, and Doc Turner. As they are covering World Championship Wrestling, the Saturday Night Show. They are now in 1991. So they're just months before what we were covering. They're March 9th of 1991. So in just a few months, they'll be getting to uh, what we just talked about, <laughs> which will be fun to hear their perspective of that. So check it out. It's Book in the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast. Also check out Our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Joe Morata, who created our great theme for the Stunning Steve episodes and also the Bottom Line cast episodes and our Extreme ECW live cast episodes. Check them out. And his best friend, Michael Quinn, as they keep trucking along. It's episode 283. And in their opening segment this season, it's called True or False. And they're asking for listeners to send true or false questions. And they'll debate whether it's true or false. And this episode happened to be my question. It took my question. My question was, well, it was true or false statement. True or false, Honky Tonk Man is the greatest intercontinental champion. So they debate that, and Honky Tonk Man is up there, and that's why I I consider that. It's like, yeah, he claims he's the greatest intercontinental champion, but he has a good stake at that claim. He has one of the longest reigns. He gets a lot of the most heat of, like, almost any IC champion. He was heading the B-shows as, like, the main event because people wanted him to get his ass kicked. Like, that's what you want in an IC champion. So they debate that and decide whether it's true or false. And I would say it's false. He's not the best, but it's worth talking about. 
I would say Macho Man is the best IZ champion. Macho Man or the Ultimate Warrior, in my opinion. So anyway. I think I'd go with Jericho. Jericho's a good one. He had a lot of reigns. He had a lot of short reigns, though. That's Yeah. Like, meaningless ones. Why, did he have the most? He was up there with the most, I think. He might have the most, or close to it. Yeah, if not... I th- actually, I think The Miz has the most now, maybe. Does he? Yeah. But yeah, Jericho's up there as one of the best. He's in a conversation. But it's not hockey talk. But, we can all agree on that. Yeah, he's not hockey talk. Alright, also in their second segment, they debuted a 1985 canon where they are covering World WWF Championship Wrestling episodes. They started back in 83. They're now into 1985. It's January 19th of 1985. And again, they're on the road to WrestleMania 1. So, fun shit to see there. And all those episodes, you can watch them, video versions, on YouTube. From 1983 all the way to 1985 on their YouTube page at Our Vantage Point. So check them out. Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Also, check out JV and I on the Extreme ECW Livecast, which is a Book in the Territory $5 tier Patreon exclusive show. And on our latest episode, which was a good one, fun one, a big one, we covered four episodes of ECW Hardcore TV. Episodes 126 through 129 from September 19th through October 10th of 1995. And that was some good stuff there. And that's where we're at. We started all the way back in April of 1993. And here we are heading to the end of 1995. So those are exclusively available on Patreon. Book and Territory page. With that said, we also have a free feed available. If you just, wherever you get your podcast, search Extreme ECW Livecast, you can get the early episodes that we released on the Patreon feed, which are now available for free. And we are currently up to 1994, so we're in June and July of 94. The latest episode is episodes 63 and 64, covering June 28th and July 5th of 1994. Check it out. It's Extreme ECW Livecast, and you can follow us on Twitter at ExtremeCast. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, as always. I hope you enjoyed this new venture that we're having here as we're wrapping up the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're moving on to some other exciting things here, such as stunning Steve Austin's career. I thought it was a good time. Uh, JV, how'd you like that? Fun time? Yeah. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, so we're gonna, just going to keep rolling with it to episode two. Uh, please get, uh, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Just put it out there. It'll help spread the word. Um, or tweet. Just fucking tweet. Put it out there on Twitter. They're enjoying the show. That probably helps even more. So That'll be great if you guys can do that. Help us out. And we'll be back in two weeks. JV, no final words? All right, guys. Until next time. So long.